Welcome to the Bearing Precious Seed podcast. If you're not familiar with that last song, it is the theme song of the show called Friends, which aired in the late 1990s. The show Friends is a show of a group of friends who associate themselves together throughout their mid-20s to their early 30s. They experience happiness, heartache, sadness, brokenness, and they influence each other in mighty ways that you really don't notice unless you're specifically looking for it. And that is a great example of device number 12 that we're going to discuss tonight on this episode. We are taking this from the book titled Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices, written in the 1600s by Thomas Brooks. Device number 12 is a biggie for a lot of people. We're going to discuss some things and remedies on how we can stay away from device number 12 of Satan. I want you to focus in as much as you can to who you're surrounding yourself with and we can take our lives and we can separate them from wicked people that don't need to be there. Device number 12 is going to change your group of friends and is going to change your life forever. You're listening to the BPS Podcast. For tonight's quote of the episode, it comes from the great preacher D.L. Moody. He says this quote, and if I had a quote that was going to be the theme of the Bearing Precious Seed podcast while we're dealing with precious remedies against Satan's devices, it would be this quote. The reason why so many Christians fail is this. They underestimate the strength of the enemy. You're listening to the BPS podcast. Welcome back to the BPS Podcast. You just listened to the song titled, You've Got a Friend in Me, that was made famous by the movie Toy Story many years ago. 
Today we're dealing with device number 12 of Satan. What he is using against Christians today. This device is simplistic in nature, but if you truly meditate in your hearts upon it, it will change the course and direction of your life forever, Christian. I promise you it will. Device number 12 of Satan is to get you to choose wicked company or to keep wicked society. The horrid impotence and wickedness that Satan has drawn men and Christians to sin by moving them to sit and associate themselves with vain people. That is the vice number 12. Satan gets you to commit sin and wickedness by moving you to sit and associate with vain people. Remedy number one against this device of Satan is to dwell until your hearts are affected upon those commands of God which expressly require us to shun the society of the wicked. Ephesians 5.11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Proverbs 5.14-16 Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. Turn to these scriptures, such as 1 Corinthians 5.9-11, 2 Thessalonians 3.6, Proverbs 1, 10 through 15, and let your souls dwell upon those scriptures until a holy indignation is raised in your souls against fellowship with vain men. God will not take the wicked by the hand, as Job speaks in Job 34, 20 and 30, 24. Why then should you? God's commands are not like those who are easily reversed, but they are like those of the Medes. They cannot be changed. If these commands be not now observed by you, they will at last be witness against you and millstones to sink you in that day that Christ shall judge you. The commands of God must outweigh all authority and examples of men. Scriptures command us, Christian, to stay clear and stay far away from vain and wicked men. Remedy number two against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that their company is very infectious and dangerous, as is clear from the scripture above mentioned. Again, the second remedy against this device of Satan is to consider that their company is very infectious and dangerous. Oh, how many have lost their names and lost their states, lost their strength, and lost God and heaven and souls by society with wicked men. As you shun a stinking carcass, as the seamen shun sands and rocks and shoals, as you shun those who have the plague sores running upon them, so should you shun the society of wicked men. As weeds endanger the corn, as bad infections endanger the body, or as an infected house the neighborhood, so does wicked company the soul. Proverbs 13.20 if you wanted to look at that. Eusebius reports of John the Evangelist that he would not allow Serenthus, the heretic, in the same bath with him, lest some judgment should abide them both. A man who keeps ill company is like him that walks in the sun, tanned insensibly. A man by the name of Bias, who was a heathen man, being at sea in a great storm, and perceiving many wicked men in the ship calling upon the gods, Oh, said he, refrain prayer, hold your tongues. I would not have your gods take notice that you are here, they surely will drown us all if they could. Ah, 
Could a heathen see so much danger in society of wicked men? And can you not see any yourself, Christian? The third remedy against this device of Satan is to look always upon wicked men under those names and notions which the Scripture describes them. The Scripture calls them lions for their fierceness. The Scripture calls them bears for their cruelty and dragons for their hideousness and dogs for their filthiness and wolves for their subtleness. The Scripture styles them as scorpions, vipers, thorns, briars, thistles, brambles, stubble, dirt, chaff, dust, dross, smoke, scum. You can find that in a plethora of verses and scriptures in the Bible. It is not safe to look upon wicked men under those names and notions which they set out themselves by or which flatterers set them out by. This may delude the soul. Don't focus on the names that the world gives them. Look at what the word gives them. If we look upon them under the names and notions that Scripture sets them out by, it may preserve the soul from frequenting their company and delighting in their society. Do not tell me what this man calls them, or how such and such count them, but tell me how does the Scripture call them? How does the Scripture count them? As Nabal's name was in Scripture in 1 Samuel 25.25, so was his nature. And as wicked men's names are, so are their natures. You may know well enough what is within them by the apt names that the Holy Spirit has given them. Such monsters are wicked men, which should render their company to all who have tasted of the sweetness of divine love a burden and not a delight. Remedy number four against this device of Satan is to solemnly consider that the society and company of wicked men have been a great grief and burden to those precious souls that were once glorious on earth and are now triumphing in heaven. Psalm 125 and 6, Woe is me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul has long dwelt with him that hates peace. So Jeremiah says, Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring man, that I might leave my people and go from them. For they be all adulterers and assembly of treacherous men. So they vexed Lot's righteous soul by their filthy conversation in 2 Peter 2.7. They made his life a burden. They made death more desirable to him than life. Yes, they made his life a lingering death. Guilt or grief is all that godly gracious souls get by conversing with wicked men. Let me hear, I want you to hear that once more. Guilt or grief is all that godly gracious souls get by conversing with wicked men. O Lord, let me not go to hell where the wicked are. For Lord, you know I never love their company here, said a gracious gentlewoman when she was to die. This gracious gentlewoman had the words that we ought to all have in our hearts. O oh Lord, let me not go to hell where the wicked are. For Lord, you know I never loved their company here. Christian, as a young person, I would consider myself still a young person. I've seen many people fall because of who they associate themselves with. You must choose your friends wisely. Who you hang out with will directly influence who you are as a believer and as an individual. Your friends have made your impact on your life. If you want to be a better, wiser person, 
Why don't you start hanging around with people who have traits you would like to develop? If you associate with people who lack moral compass, or fools, as the Bible calls them, those associations will get you in trouble. A recent study in the Journal of Consumer Research bears this out. It shows that friends often bond by providing each other with moral support to resist a, tem- a temptation. Excuse me. But it also discovered that friends can conspire with each other to indulge in temptation together. You need to make friends with people who will improve you rather than corrupt you. Associate with people who will be a positive influence in your life. The kind of friends you choose will be a major factor in whether you succeed or fail in life. Here's some tips on how to pick better friends. Change whom you hang around with. As the Bible says, your friends will influence your behavior and values. So stop being with people who drag you down. You don't have to be mean or unfriendly. Make yourself unavailable by spending more time with the right kind of people. Choose who you, whom you hang around with properly. You need to establish standards. Often we choose friends based on image or style. Learn to see beyond these outward appearances. Is this person headed in the right direction is a great question you can ask yourself. Where are they headed? Where, what are their goals? What are their dreams? Where will they be in two, three, five years? Does this person have good values? You need to ask yourself, do they have good values? Is this person self-disciplined? Can they handle disciplining themselves? Is this person, the biggest question, pursuing God? Christian, whether it's dating or friendships or whatever it is association-wise, you need to ask yourself and put yourself in situations that establish standards. You need to have standards for friends and you need to have standards for everyone basically in your life. And ask these questions. Are they pursuing God? Because those who do not love God will never help you serve God. Also, another tip is be someone others would want as a friend. It will be easier to find better friends if you're a person others want to be with. Make sure that you are honoring God with your life. Become someone who is encouraging, supportive, loyal, and caring towards others. Maybe there's something that you need to do is create your own advisory board. Identify a group of friends who can help nourish the best in you. Meet with them regularly. Seek their honest feedback about your life, your attitude, your marriage, your parenting, your relationship with God, and other things that matter to you. One way to find these people is to get in a small group that meets regularly over time and to serve on a ministry team at church. A note to parents I do want to add. As your children grow up, they move increasingly from your influence to the influence of others. Thus, it's very important to teach your children how to make right decisions about who their friends will be. For those of you who have entered into a true, spirit-filled, fully surrendered walk with the Lord where He is now leading your life in the direction that He wants you to go in, one of the first things that you're going to find happening is that God will start to prune out those people that he does not want in your life, and to start to bring in people that he does want in your life. As you will see in the scripture verses that we're going to list here in a moment, the Bible tells us to choose our friends carefully in this life. The Bible tells us that we are not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers, that we are to stay away from people who cause divisions and offenses, and to withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly. This does not mean we cannot work with the lost, the downtrodden, and the people who need to find God and His message of salvation. 
When Jesus came to earth in the flesh, he always went after the sinners and the outcasts. But when Jesus went after these sinners, it was always for the express purpose of getting them saved and cleaned up. Jesus did not chase after everyone. He ripped on the Pharisees and many of the high-ranking Jewish leaders. Some people are open to be helped and others are not. The Bible tells us to stay away from people who are considered to be dogs and to beware of people who are evil workers. One of the first things that God will do with your life once you start to become in full surrender to Him is to start to set up some boundary lines as we discussed earlier. He will now decide the path you will follow in Him. He will now be leading you into the specific jobs that He wants you to have in this life. If you are single and not married yet, He will lead you to the mate that He will want you to marry if it is His perfect will that you get married in this life. And once those boundary lines start to go up, one of the first things that God will do is decide who is going to be coming into those boundary lines and who will be going out. In other words, God will be the deciding factor of who your true friends are in this life and who will not. The main reason God will be helping you to choose your true friends in this life is because His ultimate and highest aim for you is to transform and sanctify you. In other words, He wants you to spiritually grow and mature in your walk with Him. The main reason that God will start to take out friends in your life that He does not want you to have is because some of these people may be negative influences in your life. They may not be open to growing or maturing in the Lord like you will be. And all they will do is try to hold you back when you start your own spiritual journey and growth in the Lord. They'll also start criticizing and making fun of you. And all they will end up doing is stunting your growth in the Lord. God will not put up with this and he will thus be taking all of these bad and negative influences out of your life very early on once you enter into this full surrender with him. For those of you who are married and have children, it is the same thing that you do not want your children hanging out with other children who you know would be a bad and negative influence on your child. You know that if your children start hanging out with the wrong type of crowd, they can become very easily corrupted in a very short period of time. This is why I'm very against public schools, by the way, it is because they're always a very easily corruptible uh, mentality of kids who are below the age of 18. I went to public school, and that's why I'm fully against it. As a result, just like God, you will become very protective with your children, and you will watch them very closely when they are old enough to start choosing who their friends are going to be. It is the exact same way with God the Father. This is why God will be moving very early on to take out these negative influences in your life. One of the verses listed that we've talked about so far, and I challenge you to look up, is basically this phrase, iron sharpeneth iron. Just like one piece of iron can make the other piece of iron extremely sharp by rubbing against it, two solid Christian friends can also have the same type of positive effect on one another by sharing their own personal walks in the Lord with one another. By having other good, solid Christian friends to share your journey with, you will literally accelerate your spiritual growth and development in the Lord because you will have more than one source in which to feed and learn from. You will be learning about God from all of your own personal ventures and experiences with Him, but you'll also be learning more about God from all your other friends' personal journeys and experiences also. How many of these types of God friends can you expect God to bring into your life? Only God will be able to answer that for each and every one of you. Some of you may have 5, 10. Some of you might be really popular with 100 friends that love the Lord. Let God make the decision as to how many and when they will be brought into your life. What I've learned is, is not about the quantity or the amount that comes in. It is always the quality. 
You are much better off having just one or two good, solid, quality friends as versus 10 or 15 that are not good as the one or two may be. Every Christian is operating at different levels of spiritual development with the Lord. God knows best as to who will be best suited for you at the level of spiritual development that you are currently operating at with Him. When God does bring in these types of special God friends to share your journey with, they will be real treasures to you and your heart will love them much. These God friendships will be anointed by God Himself due to the quality feedings and interactions that will occur in them. Sadly, what you will find out very early on is just because someone may be a saved, born-again Christian does not mean this person has their act together in the Lord. Some people have become too judgmental and too critical in their walks with the Lord. Some have become too arrogant and too pompous, thinking they have all the answers to everything. They will tend to look down on anyone else who is not operating at the knowledge levels they are operating at. Some, some have become so flaky in their walks with the Lord that they have lost touch with the reality and you won't be able to connect with any of them. God knows best as to who will be best suited for you at your current level of spiritual development with Him. So let Him guide you to the ones that He will want you to connect with. I have seen God do this many times for others that I literally consider it a miraculous piece of work, especially as to how He gets you to meet some of these people in the first place. The other thing that could occur besides God matching you up with total strangers is that He may move on someone else you may know but that you are not particularly good friends with. That person then gets saved and plugged in, and they find out that, that you two are saved and plugged in, and now a good God friendship can start to build up. And I've seen this time and time again, that God works in many different ways. Just a reminder, choose your friends very carefully, Christian. Choose friends carefully. You need to have good, godly friends. I would I ask you to meditate upon Proverbs 11:14, Proverbs 24:5, Proverbs 20:18, Proverbs 15:22, Proverbs 19:20, Proverbs 19:27. And I challenge you to find someone that will sharpen you. As Proverbs 27:17 says, and do not be unequally yoked with believers. I've seen many Christians fall because of their friends. Just as God saw fit to create Eve for Adam in the Garden of Eden when he first created the first man, God still places an extremely high value on personal friendships, and he will make sure to bring the right people and the right number of people in your life so you can each help each other out to go farther and fly higher in the Lord. When Jesus first started to send the twelve apostles out and to, uh, to walk in his anointing, he would always send them out two by two. Once you enter into a real supernatural walk with the Lord, you will go nuts if you do not have someone to share your walk with. There are simply too many good God things that will start to happen in your life, and you will need others to talk to, to vent with, to share with, to learn from one another, and to keep each other on track. For those of you who have not been matched up with a good God friend at this time, just go to God the Father in prayer and ask Him to bring the right friend that will be best suited for you at your present level. Of spiritual development in him unless God is keeping you all to himself for a reason in a season there is no reason that God will not want to move on this request to bring you a true special God friend in order to help accelerate your spiritual growth in him if God did it for Adam in the Garden of Eden then there's no reason that he would not want to do it for you choose your friends wisely because Satan is using wicked people 
to lead you astray. You're listening to the BPS Podcast. It's time for your favorite segment of every single episode on the BPS Podcast, The Christian Dad Joke. And here it is. A minister and a lowly taxi driver both died and went to heaven. Peter was at the pearly gates waiting for them. Come with me, said Peter to the taxi driver. The taxi driver did as he was told and followed him to a fantastic mansion. It had everything you could imagine. A private golf course, a beautiful swimming pool, a pizza buffet, wink, wink, nod, nod. It had everything. Wow, thank you, said the taxi driver. Next, the Lord led the minister to a rugged old hut with an old bed and a little dinky yard. Wait, I think you are a bit off, said the minister. Shouldn't I be the one who has the big house and all of those things? After all, I was a minister. I did church duties daily. I was highly respected and very well known, and I taught God's word every single day. Shouldn't I have this big house and all of these things? That taxi guy just drove a car. Yes, this is so, said Peter. But up here, we work by results. During your sermons, minister, everyone slept. But when the taxi cab driver drove, everyone prayed. And God works with results. You're listening to the BPS Podcast. Welcome back to the BPS Podcast and this segment of Food for Thought, where the Bearing Precious Seed Podcast wants to give you food for your thoughts on topics and subjects you've never quite thought of before. I, if you know me, work as a certified licensed pharmacy technician. I count drugs, type prescriptions, talk to doctors, deal with medical questions 40 hours a week. I work full-time as a technician, and I've been doing this for quite some time. And I've come to this subject that I have battled internally, which will lead to our question on today's episode and segment of Food for Thought. Um, Let me go ahead and tell you the question then. The question is, should Christians take oral contraceptives? I am telling you oral. That means by mouth contraceptives. In other words, birth control, oral tablet birth control. Should Christians take this? Many of you right now, if especially if you are female, are asking the question, why is this even being brought up or why is this even debated like uh, a lot of Christians take birth control majority of Christian women take birth control I might even argue well let me bring up a a subject because I work in the pharmacy and I deal with different tablets and drugs every day let me tell you about the drug named plan B all right many of you probably have heard it because it's brought up in anti-abortion charades and and all kinds of different topics and you probably know the plan B tablet The Plan B tablet is also known as levonorestrel, and the tablet is used to terminate anything that could start living inside the womb of a female. If you aren't familiar to the Plan B pill by its name, it's also known as the morning after pill when an individual has unprotected sexual relations that could cause a pregnancy, they will take this tablet 
to make sure that no baby is conceived in their womb. And as Christians, we would all say, yes, we are against plan B. We are against it. We fight against it. We stand against it. What if I told you that plan B or the morning after pill is only a higher dose of birth control? That's all that it is. The same birth control that is being taken by our Christian women in our churches, all that plan B is is a stronger dose of that birth control. I'm not telling you that we should be against birth control or we should be for it. But I do want you to question these oral contraceptives because birth control tablets can kill and terminate a fetus. That's why they put so many warning labels about getting pregnant while you're on birth control. I challenge you to question some things that you're doing that have been normalized for so long just for the sake of normacy. I'm not telling you that birth control is wrong, and I'm not saying that it's right either. But I did want to give you food for your thought when it comes to the topic of oral birth control. We're not talking about all the other contraceptive uh, tactics that can be used. We're only speaking of oral birth control tablets taken by mouth. Should Christians take oral contraceptives, which could ultimately terminate a fetus? You're listening to the BPS Podcast. From everyone at the BPS Podcast, we greatly appreciate you taking your time to join us on this episode of the podcast, and I challenge you to work, for the night is coming.